0: All right, Hawks fans and Hooball fans, we have a special Hooball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to an, a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at Hooball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business, so listen up. Here's what's out. The Draft Guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is... You need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Deck aid. And new for this year, Hooball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the HoopBall 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter now. Right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting in your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at Hoop Ball Fantasy or go to hoop ball.com and get right today. The following is a hoop bowl presentation.
1: Plays it into Trey. Two seconds watch. Trey Slaughter. In. Can't get it. Kevin lets it fly. Swish. Oh my goodness!
0: Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host Brad Harden, reporting live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I want to wish all my listeners a safe, love-filled, healthy, and happy holiday season for you and your loved ones, which. Kicked off last week with Turkey Day. I know I enjoyed a quiet Turkey Day with my loved ones, a good, watch football, the Macy's Day Parade, and uh, earned a well-earned nap after eating really well for Thanksgiving. And joining the program today is a first-time guest, a must-follow on Twitter, and that is no lie. He has the blue check to prove it with the knowledge, insight, and content to back it up. You need help with your fantasy basketball team? Outside of our colleagues here at Hootball he is the next best thing. Lead fantasy basketball analyst for Basketball Monster, host of Locked On NBA Podcast, Locked On Fantasy Podcast, and for you Australian football fans, Locked On AFL. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Mr. Josh Lloyd. Josh, good, how are you I'm doing? Good today.
1: It?
0: It's good to have you on. It's good to have you on. So we'll uh, start off the conversation um, where we left off last week, uh, Hawks fans. Free agency has gone and passed for now, and it looks like the Hawks will not be making any more decisions at this time and moves with the signing in additions of Solomon Hill and officially getting bogey, which we talked about on the last program. I know a lot of Hawks players and fans have plenty to be thankful with this all season as the front office was extremely aggressive in putting together a team that could potentially compete in the playoffs, which the Hawks have not been in since 2017. And they're looking to end their three year skid this season. And since the last episode, as I alluded to, Bogdan Bogdanovich signing has been official done as well. Is now on the team as he will be signed to the middle level exception of four point seven million dollars with the player option of five million next year. And the Hawks have signed another forward to the roster in veteran Solomon Hill, who was on the Miami Heat team last year. He's expected to sign a veteran minimum contract of 1.6 million, which will add more depth at the three, another veteran presence, which is very, very near and dear for this Atlanta Hawks roster as they alluded to going into the off season that they need the presence of vets to help this young core. And he has meaningful experience, especially coming off a finals run with the Heat organization. And he was taken out of the rotation later as the season got on, but I, and I don't expect a lot of minutes from him here in Atlanta, but it makes things interesting and competitive nonetheless in training camp and practice. We already spoke of the bogey impact last episode, and now that he is here to add him to the talks roster to get another score playmaker. At the two guard position, who could play on the ball, off the ball, take some of the playmaking responsibilities off of Trey Young's shoulders at times, and have Trey Young play off the ball as well and create some opportunities for him, especially some clean looks at the three point line. I love the shooting, scoring, defensive prowess, and the veteran pieces that the Hawks have added to this roster. And I cannot praise Travis Schlenk enough for their aggressiveness this offseason to make this team more competitive on paper. And built this team for a playoff run. So, Josh, what is your take on the Hawks moves? I think, Brad, uh,
1: undoubtedly they improved. Like you just look at the quality of the players that, that, that come in. Yeah, Gallinari, Bogdanovich, yeah, really good, really good players. Yeah, you know, strong starter-level players. So that it's a good move. You know, Roger Rondo, I'm, I'm not that excited about that one. Uh, Chris Dunn, a yeah, really strong defender. Um, yeah, Tony Snell, you can you can leave that one. I'm not that interested in, in getting him across, but I'm also a little bit confused with what the Hawks did in, in the offseason here because yeah, these moves are all, they're going to make them better. Like, I've got no doubt about that. They're going to be better. And they're probably, definitely, probably going to be a playoff team this season. There's no worries with that. But when you are in a, a rebuild and you've really just begun the rebuild, like two years ago, like okay, that's where you got Trey Young, that's your your centerpiece. And then you're adding a few other pieces last year. You're sacrificing assets to trade up to get guys like DeAndre Hunter. Um, and then you're just trying to fast forward things and, and yeah, it will improve the team. But does it ever take them to a top four seed, top two seed, an NBA Finals team? I I don't think so. Whereas you're going to make yourself – there's a risk that you put yourself into Pistons, Hornets territory, not for this season, but what they've done in the past, and just be in that six to eight seed for three or four years and don't – because now you take yourself out of the chance of getting that asset, of getting another top pick because you're going to be out of the lottery most likely, and also with the risk of either devaluing your young players, like Hunter, like John Collins – you're reducing their value whether that's to your own team or, or in a trade and maybe there's a chance of some locker room disharmony i think it's a risk the way that they've done this um in terms of setting up yes maybe just pushing a little bit too early maybe it's one year or two years too early they will be better but does it get them the ultimate goal of you know, getting to the eastern conference finals or getting to the nba finals
0: yeah and we definitely hit fast forward very quickly I say this off season and one of the um, it's a high risk high reward type situation. One of the things that really I think will hurt us for the future is the and it's not like we need any more draft picks, but as far as free agency next year, the money that we spent this off season, especially tied in with Gallinari for the next few years, really is going to hurt the Hawks ability to try to land someone in free agency next year, which I famously talked about on this podcast is just Hey, we have the cap space. Let's see if we can lure someone big in a more talented, deeper free agent class next year. And we took ourselves out of that conversation with the contracts of Galinari Bogdanovich, which it sucks in hindsight, because I know we've talked about the pie in the sky, Giannis, to Atlanta, and the, and the long list of other free agents that are going to be available next year. But but there's pressure, there's pressure in the front office to try to win now. And when you have Trey Young and you want to capitalize on his talent and his ascend early and keep him happy and keep him here long term, which undoubtedly the Hawks will do. They're going to have to make some moves that are very calculated and very risky, as you as you alluded to, Josh. So a couple head scratchers. I know Rondo I was a little hesitant on, but then I thought about potentially the experience that he has and some of the savvy that he has of getting players initiated into the offense and something that maybe he could pass along to Trey Young. I know that another guest in our program here talks about a lot of empty stats when it comes to his assist as far as Trey Young is concerned. And just he's just passing out of double teams. He's just trying to just get the ball off and maybe people accuse him of padding stats. With Rondo in, he can come in and kind of teach him the offense as far as hey get get hunter involved get reddish involved they're in the rhythm get the ball in the right spots for them and with bogey there to kind of draw the other defender that would naturally drift to double teaming trey young will have to focus on bogey maybe it opens up the floor a little bit more especially adding Gallinari. so a lot of questions a lot of things to figure out especially lineups rotations minutes and that leads to my next question for you josh as far as fantasy purposes, with the addition of depth and talent that the Hawks have, but the questions about rotations and minutes, does that hurt a lot of people's fantasy values for this Hawks team, or does it elevate it? What is no, it I think it hurts everyone, that?
1: pretty much, apart from Trey Young. is going to be worse off. Collins is going to be worse off. Herder is going to be way down. Uh, Bogdanovich might be about the same. He, he might be someone who gets a marginal increase from where he was in Sacramento last season. Um, Hunter and Reddish are going to be down. Clint Capella is going to be down. Uh, It doesn't really help anybody. There's just too many unknowns and too many guys. There's probably 10 players, if not 11, or there probably is 11 players who should be, you know, 20-plus minute a night rotation players, and they're just not going to get that, but it is going to put a squeeze on a lot of guys. So nearly everyone's um, value is going to drop. Yeah,
0: and I'm going to take the Hawks fan hat off for this question uh if you're really big in the fantasy are you rooting for a trade at some point for the Hawks as far as if you're you're trying to reach for one of these players in the later rounds of your fantasy draft and you take a flyer on one of the Hawks guys that their minutes are not certain do are you praying for a trade to happen to kind of raise their ceiling a bit if you're going to take a uh, Yeah you,
1: you need a trade of someone whether that's you know, probably John Collins would be the number one guy could be Clint Capella. And they go with a, a Collins, a Kongwu center rotation. Um, once a Kongu is ready, but you want someone to be dealt out of this team. Like I don't think you worry too much about you know, Herder and those guys, but the real concern is on what happens with Capella, Gallinari, Collins in that front court. Because Collins was yeah, really, really strong for fantasy, but he's going to really be squeezed this season. So you're wanting someone to be traded out of there to help. Yeah,
0: I 100% agree. So I know all you fantasy basketball listeners, if you're if you're listening. Uh, I know you're going to make some Hawks fans mad, but pray for pray for a trade on on your end. Hopefully, if you're going to take a flyer or one of these players, you'll get the maximum production out of them to help your team. But as far as this basketball team goes, in real life, the Hawks are really deep and really talented. So with that, we'll move on to our plug for... If you like movie. losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm gonna plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus 100% just like an A plus in school hopefully you got them but if not this your chance to get 100% you like playing blackjack there are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments and that's just the tip of the iceberg there is so much that you can do on my bookie and the best thing is is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. Now, we recently, as far as Saturday goes, the NBA released some COVID protocols for the upcoming season. And even though, as I said, the NBA season is right around the corner, a few weeks away does not mean COVID has gone away, which has been evidently seen in NFL games like the Saints-Broncos game this past weekend where they didn't have an eligible quarterback on the roster to play. And they had to use a practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback in the past to fill in in that spot. But the NBA has had the luxury to sit back and watch and react to the NFL and their outbreaks and how they handle situations since the NBA will be returning into home markets once again this season. The NBA released guidelines over the weekend, including, according to Yahoo Sports, the use of masks as soon as players leave and staff leave their cars. And staff must wear masks throughout the practice, even if the coach wants to yell at a player. I know Hawks' practices are going to be really competitive and maybe heated. Lowry Pierce has to keep the mask on the entire time if he wants to yell at his players. Uh, Teams are also designating up to 45 people, which includes players, coaches, training staff who are basically isolated from other personnel on the team. And that goes for 45 people for traveling as well. So they have to put those together. If a player tests positive this year, teams must employ contact tracing. They must clean and disinfect any area that the player has occupied and isolate that player until they're cleared. They must be cleared by passing at least 10 days since the onset of symptoms when they can return to action and then work alone with a mask for two days. So 12 days before they can return to play or if a player has two consecutive negative tests and more than 24 hours apart from getting tested. So those are some of the protocols in place. And, yes, the famous from the bubble, the snitch line is back this year. So, Hawks fans, if you see some players out at the compound or Magic City in Atlanta before games, call that hotline like Crime Stoppers and maybe help out the Hawks uh, get a game or two this year. Um, I think every win counts in a 72-game sprint. But with those protocols put in place and now the Hawks now have their preseason schedule available out to the public and everybody knows who they're going to play and win now. The Hawks will go into training camp, which starts tomorrow, December 1st, for reference as we're recording this today on the 30th of November. Individual workouts are capped right now at four players and four team staff members at one time, with all players and staff required to have three negative tests leading up to tomorrow. Full practices can begin on December 6th at the latest, which doesn't leave much time before the Hawks play their first preseason game, which we'll talk about here shortly. And with that young core intact with new faces, veteran pieces, that this team pretty much has to come together and gel, the Hawks no doubtably, will be more competitive this year. Uh, we've already talked about this in a pro- program, but they're going to have to jail quickly as preseason games are just right around the corner and through those preseason games, they're going to have to figure out continuity, lineups, minutes rotations. It's going to be very crucial this time period leading up to tip-off and we'll probably have some learning curves past tip-off this year. But the NBA released a preseason schedule for teams, which will comprise of four games leading up to tip-off on December 22nd. The Hawks preseason game will begin on Friday, December 11th, when they take on the Orlando Magic at the State Farm Arena for a 7 p.m. Eastern tip-off. Two days later, they will return to the State Farm Arena on Sunday, December 13th, play the Magic again. And then the next week, on Thursday, December 17th, they'll be on the road against John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies at 8 p.m. Eastern for a tip-off and then play them again Saturday, December 19th. In Memphis, again, for an 8 p.m. tip-off as well. There are no details for TV or radio broadcasts at this time. They will be available later. And these will be the only preseason games the Hawks will have before they tip off on the 22nd. So a very quick turnaround for everything and a lot to work out as far as lineups, rotations, minutes, defensive setup, and more. And I will continue to say that depth is a good problem to have, but this staff will certainly have to work through trying to figure out what is the best lineup on the court to start games, finish games, defensive lineups, small ball lineups. They're going to have to figure all this out to assure success throughout the 72-game sprint. So I know, Josh, these are just preseason games, but what are you looking for as far as the Hawks are concerned or in the league in
1: general in these four uh, I really games? want to see the Hawks, what their rotation is. I just I just don't know how they're going to run things. Now, it might be a little bit up in the air because, you know, we hear today that that uh, Chris Dunn and uh, Anyeka Okongwu we are still dealing with some injuries. And maybe they're not ready to go in the preseason, and in you know, the preseason rotation won't necessarily be the regular season rotation. But you know, who starts? Is, is it Reddish? Is it Hunter that starts? Uh, do they put Herder and Bogdanovich at the two and the three? I, I want to see how that works out, how those rotations work. If Gallinari is playing at all next to Collins, I want to see that from this team. And basically, I just I just want to know how Lloyd Pierce is going to try and you know, run all these pieces into a coherent uh, rotation. You don't get a full pitcher of course, in the preseason, but that's yeah, they're, the team I'm probably the most interested to watch in the preseason just because of the level of unknowns there are and the amount of new players and how they've all got to fit. So I just want to see how he tries to squeeze those guys in together.
0: Yeah, and I know that you and Brad Rowland talked on your podcast about the potential pressure on coach Lloyd Pierce, which is basically his last contract year and the team has an option for him next year. So it may be a little more pressure as they are trying to when now playoffs to kind of work this out sooner rather than later to put themselves in the best position to win more games early and often so that they are in the playoffs when it comes to the end of the 72 game sprint and i do have a follow up question um and we we already kind of alluded to it Fantasy evaluation as far as across the league, will it be harder, especially with the COVID you know, elephant in the room? Will it just be harder just across the board just to evaluate players going into the season and throughout the season? because of Yeah, COVID it's absolutely is- going to be harder
1: because obviously we don't have as much time to sort of sit and think on all the moves that have happened. Um, we don't have as long of a training camp and a preseason to hear the little bits of information that come out about teams and how they're viewing rotations and then you're going to have the problem with, you know, guys missing time due to COVID diagnoses Um, and how that impacts a team and how that impacts a rotation and a compressed schedule leading to perhaps more rests or perhaps reduced minutes for players It is going to be one of the hardest seasons uh, for fantasy because of all those factors.
0: Yeah. And I know for last year, fantasy, for fantasy basketball purposes, my teams were, all on the up and up and obviously the stoppage to play because of the coronavirus pandemic stopped our seasons. And I know it really disappointed me as I really wanted that money in that pool, but uh, there's bigger fish to fry as far as, you know, health and safety as players and trying to get these games in. We're seeing the struggle in the NFL. We're seeing, you know, the struggles that MLB have, and it's across the world. It's across the world uh, from so- from soccer in Europe, uh, having big players out for you know, cup competition, Champions League games, it's, it's just going to just be something that we're just going to have to deal with for the next year or so. And hopefully sooner rather than later, it'll dissipate. But it's just something to definitely keep an eye on when, since, we, since we know the protocols for COVID and what will come if players test positive and everything. It could be a huge impact on this season and we'll see if they find some wiggle room to add some games in the end in between the all-star break. We'll see what the NBA does to handle this. Uh, so we're going to continue the conversation as far as expectations for this year for the Hawks. But first another plug for support Manscaped. from Hootball Hawks comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. As we are in the holiday season with all the shopping Chestnuts roasting on open fires as Jingle Bells plays on almost every radio station. Don't forget your jingle balls. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. We all know of a guy who had a tragic grooming story to try to impress his lady or you personally, where you clip the wrong thing and you start the Will Smith, see what had happened was, well, see what should have happened was you copping Manscaped for your grooming needs. This revolutionary company has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 3.0 has a proprietary advanced skin safe technology. So this trimmer cuts on your nuts and it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trim, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as your jingle balls. That's a technical foul! The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Yeah, your jingle balls do stink. I don't care if you just showered. Speaking of sweaty, stinky jingle balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good, my friends. Good, their manly scent is attractive and will help you set the mood, if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers. they will keep your junk feeling fresh all day long, baby. It's time to upgrade those used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. So, tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, don't matter. The best gift of all. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. Your jingle balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com dot com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com when you use the code hoopball20 clean up your jingle balls and i guarantee you will make the nice list this year for christmas all right and we are back and as i said before the break great expectations and i'm not talking about the charles dickens book uh for this hawks team it's here the pressure is to win now and as a roster currently stands for the 72 game season. My early projections for the Hawks as far as wins and losses go, I think that the Hawks can win anywhere from 37 to 40 games this upcoming season. And those records and winning percentages go as followed just for reference. So if the Hawks were to win 37 games, the record would be 37 and 35 with a 513 winning percentage. 38 wins, 38 and 34 for a 527 winning percentage, 39 and 33 for a 541 winning percentage and 40 and 32 for a 555 winning percentage and if the Hawks were to hit any of these marks all of these records would be better than you know the records for the Hawks for the last three seasons which is no no secret they haven't been over 500 for a while and if the Hawks were to win at least 38 games it would be a better winning percentage than the last time the Hawks made the playoffs the 2016-2017 season when the Hawks were 43-39 and 39 for a 524 winning percentage and they were the fifth seed and lost in the first round in six games to the Washington Wizards that year. So how do these projected winning percentages as far as for 37-40 to 40 wins for the Hawks, how would they have fared in the playoffs that they missed in the last three seasons? Well, for 2017-2018, any of those winning percentages that I mentioned and projected for the Hawks would have put them anywhere from the 6th to the 8th seed for the 2018-19 season that would have put them between 5 and 6. And for the bubble season this past year, this winning percentages would put them anywhere from 4th to 6th seed, but these are just projections because, you know, the league is different every year. You never know how it's gonna play out. You never know how COVID is going to affect things and moves made around the league. But I think that the Eastern Conference will play more out like more so like the 2018-2019 season. As I project the ceiling for the Hawks to be the fifth seed potentially, but I can certainly see them anywhere from six to eight. Uh more realistically, uh, especially with the top-tier teams in the East. Those are kind of set in stone at this point. The wild card is the Indiana Pacers, in my opinion, as far as where the Hawks will line up this year, but we got to play the games. We got to see how things play out as far as lineups, health, etc. So Josh, what is your projection as far as wins for the Hawks this year? What do you see them at and potential seeding in the playoffs?
1: Well, I haven't gone through and you know, done projected wins for every team, but you know, off the top of the head, it's probably yeah, 37, 38. seems about right. And you're know, just, just a little bit over 500. If that were you know, 35 wins, I wouldn't be surprised as well. There it's still a tough goal of things and you've got to play, you yeah, have 28 games out of the 72 or sorry, 30 games out of the 72, I guess, against the Western Conference as well. So a bunch of good teams over there as well, which is going to make it hard. Um, I can't see them getting higher than the sixth seed. Yeah, you're talking, you've got um, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, uh, the Sixers, the Pacers, the Heat. Yeah, They're all yeah, really, really strong looking teams. You've got the Nets that are going to come into there as well. Um, I think sixth seed probably is your best case scenario. I would say here for, for the Hawks. But even then, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know who they're better than necessarily out of that group that, that I mentioned. If we look at the standings last year, it was, it was Bucks at one, Raptors at two, Celtics three, Pacers four, Heat five, Sixers six, is six uh, Nets seven, right? So I, I could easily see those seven teams all still be being, being better than the Hawks. pretty, yeah, pretty, you know, pretty comfortably um so maybe they can i think they're going to be better than the magic the wizards hornets yeah, bulls knicks pistons caps like no worries about that so the eight seed should be a minimum but getting that higher than than those other seven teams is not going to be the easiest thing i think they can do it but six would be the absolute most to me
0: and referring back to our conversation it does bring up that let's say that they do end up at eight and they can't add any more necessarily pieces the next few years because of their cap restrictions and the moves they made this year. What, I don't want to speak too soon, but if they were to be at the eight and could only be at the eight, seven, six, you know, for the for years to come, will it be like Orlando Magic situation? Will this all be for nothing, or do you think that this will, could potentially lead to something for the Hawks?
1: No, that, that's the risk that you just become that eight seed perpetually. Like Trey Young's got a star upside, obviously his defense is a real problem, but I, I think A Kongu can be a really good center. I don't see star upside in Hunter at all. Cam Reddish not really. Herder not really. Bogdanovich is solid. Galanari is 32. I, I, who's the next star that comes and how do you get that next guy to come in? I don't think a Kongwu you want to be your second best player. He's probably a, on a good team. He's a fourth best player, which is still really good and really valuable. But how are you getting that next guy to play next to Treks? I don't, I don't think they're on that team at this point and Hunter and Reddish aren't it to me. And you're getting that player is best easiest to do in the you know, first five picks of a drop of a draft and the way they've set their team up, they're not getting that pick unless they're doing some trades for it. But even then, like, how, how, are, you, how are you doing that? And that that's their worry. And I'm not including Collins in this mix because I just don't think that they're going to be valuing him long term and he's probably going to be on the way out, it'd be my guess. So I just don't know how they get that next playoff. Yeah, it's, it's going to be
0: very tough. And I know that some people on Twitter think that it's time for the evaluation period as far as, hey, this is where they need to be judged. But I think they're still kind of – quoting, you know, Philadelphia, trust the process. We are at the tail end of the process, but I, I do think that there are a couple moves that needs to be made to really set ourselves up long term as far as acquiring another talent to really set us apart. And it may be moving Collins and I put Herder on the, you know, chopping block, you know, many times on this program to figure out exactly how do we continue to level up and continue to ascend up in the Eastern Conference. So so back to talking about the 2016-2017 Hawks team that made the playoffs. This team finished second in the Southeast Division behind the Wizards, who they lost to in the playoffs, and they posted a winning record at home and were one game below five hundred on the road. Both good metrics. You want to try to get five hundred on the road. If you're a good team in the NBA, you want to win more games than you lose at home. That's just fact. The team was defensively really good, but they did not have a definitive closer that year. The de facto closer was Paul Millsap. They were middle of the road offensively, which led them to their early exit to the Wizards team that had John Wall, Brad uh who both averaged 23 that year, Otto Porter, Bogdanovich, not Bogie, the other Bogdanovich who's played in the league and a good score in his own right, Markeith Morris, Gortat, Kelly Oubre, and this Wizards team pushed the Celtics to seven games in the Eastern Conference semifinals that year. First off, before we get any more into looking at that 2016-17 Hawks team, <laughs> the Wizards. <laughs> I mean, if all these players are still in the Wizards, how good would this team be now? <laughs> Just to say that all these players that were on that 2016-17 roster that are on other teams and contributing, obviously Markeith who just won a championship in LA Bogdanovich is in Utah he needs to stay healthy but a proven scorer Otto Porter he's just getting paid at this point but still a Serviceable score in this league, and Kelly Oubre, who is known as a potential two-way player, really good on the defensive end, and coming along offensively. Now he's in Golden State, where potentially he may have a role carved out for him with Clay Thompson gone. So, but as far as you know, front offices go, in my opinion, the Wizards are closer to the bottom half of the league now. And Kelly Oubre recently commented on how bad management is in Phoenix, referring to their owner. But the Wizards were not exempt in that criticism as well, and I know. Moves have to be made on that, that roster in Washington. But that roster compared to what this roster is now, which there's some upside now, but it's still no direction, as Josh alluded to. Uh, I mean, can, do you fault the Wizards at this point uh, for being where they are? I mean, they give John Wall that contract and, you know, you got to be available to play and It's impossible to move now, so they're kind of stuck there. They let Oubre go, and now Oubre is, you know, getting some value in the league, value enough to be, you know, added to a championship organization in Golden State, and as well as Marquise Morris being a championship piece. uh, (laughs) Do you agree that the Wizards are just a a dumpster fire... of a front office and coming from obviously the Hawks who had their bad front offices in years past, but now they're heading in the right direction is the Wizards, basically a dumpster fire as far as the front office goes.
1: Um, look, it's obviously a new front office from things that when they gave that, uh, their wall I- extension with Tommy Shepard in there now, but you know, some of the moves haven't made sense. I would have been more looking to, to move on from Bradley Beal. I haven't really liked their draft choices. They haven't made terrible moves um, this last couple of years, but it's a, it's a hard way back from where you are, uh, when you've got those, um, when you've got those uh, yeah, interesting yeah, contracts, those long-term contracts, I'm not really sure where where you go with uh, with those guys on the roster.
0: Yeah, they're definitely stuck between a rock and a hard place. And as as obviously, I cover the Hawks. We're not complaining about it because we, as of right now, our roster looks better than them. But we're gonna have to continue to compete with them in the Southeast Division, and hopefully, we get more wins than losses against them and the rest of the division, and move on into the playoffs this year. Now back to this 2016-17 playoff roster for the Hawks. It consisted of Paul Millsap, who was their leading scorer at 18.1 points per game, and he was the lone all-star on that team. Dennis Schroeder, the new Los Angeles Laker, he was their second leading scorer at 17.9 points per game. They had Dwight Howard, who averaged a double-double, replaced Al Horford, who was moved on from the Celtics the previous year. Tim Hardaway Jr. as a rookie, who averaged Almost 15 points a game, which is pretty good as a rookie. Uh, Ken Baysmore, DeAndre Benbury, Torian Prince, Mike Muscala, Mike Dunleavy Jr., Jose Calderon, Thabo Cephalosha, and Ursa Ilievosova. Whew! Uh, that that's a that's a roster, and definitely explains why they did not move further in the playoffs that year. No defensive closer, as I mentioned before. But out of these players mentioned uh, from the previous Hawks roster. Who would have been a must grab in twenty sixteen seventeen on this
1: roster uh, for fantasy purposes? Uh, from memory, it's probably Paul Millsap. Um, I'd say he would have been the best fantasy option on on this roster back then. But hard, hard to hard to remember exactly. But I, I'm pretty sure it was Paul Millsap.
0: Yeah, I mean him being the lone All Star and one of his better years in the league. Uh, Rightfully so he must have been he had to be the must grab and Dennis Schroeder probably has some value as far as points, assists, steals. Uh I know his percentages weren't as great as they were now, but I mean he was a younger player than Dwight Howard being double doubles if you really value rebounds in the nine cat league. So I mean, but other than that, there's not really a lot of <laughs> it it explains why the Hawks were middle of the road. And I personally I think that this team Although they were 10th in the league in assists that year, they had to be because they had to score for many different people because they didn't have one definitive guy who could just go and get it outside of Paul Millsap and Schroeder at times, which is a staple of the Mike Budenholzer offenses, is ball movement, ball movement, off ball movement uh, to get open shots and efficient shots. And it was imperative that they had to do that because they had no one who scored more than 20 points per game on the roster. They were 23rd in the league in three-point shooting that year, 18th in field goal percentage, and 22nd in points per game. But they made their money on the defensive then That was their calling card as they were 10th in opponents points per game, 2nd in turnovers, 4th, 7th in steals, ninth in rebounds, and 5th in opponents field goal percentages. So if you compare the two rosters the last time the Hawks were in the playoffs to now the Hawks. We're definitely better defensively then I mean it's it's no it's no comparison at this point, but I think that for this current Hawks roster, if they can improve on the defensive end with the influence of Nick McMillan coming onto this roster, some capable defenders in a maturing young core, hopefully that will help them out offensively. I think this team this year is better than that team last year, especially because you have a Trey Young, you didn't have a Trey Young then, so I think that this could be one of the best offensive teams in the league this year, depending on rotation. And everything when you add Gallo, you have Rondo, Gallo and Rondo off your bench. You can, you know, add bench scoring has been a real struggle for the Hawks um as of late, but you have them off the bench now to go with this young core. And you have Bogey into the starting lineup. And even though, I you mean know, that 2016-17 that Hawks roster did have six players score in double digits, which were Millsap, Schroeder, how uh Dwight Howard, Hardaway. Bazemore and Ellie Vasova, who ranged anywhere from 10 to 18 points for a balanced scoring attack. But I think that depending on how minutes ro- lineups and rotations go, I think that the Hawks have the potential to have seven double-digit scores to beat out that team from 2016-17. Last year, though, double-digit score for the Hawks were Trey Young, John Collins, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Herder, uh, along with Jabari Parker, five of those six that I mentioned are back on the team. You add Gallo, you add Bogdanovich, who both scored double digits on their respective teams last year. Capella was a double-double machine before getting hurt. I don't expect him to score double digits often. Maybe, maybe scheme from games to games that they're playing a smaller front court. Maybe get him some looks. But my prediction as lots for double-digit scoring for the Hawks this year will be Trey Young, Gallinari, John Collins, and Bogdanovich. And to get the six, seven players, I think the potential players who can score double digits are Cam Reddish, Clint Capella, Herter, depending on his minutes, and DeAndre Hunter. So there's a lot of potentials outside of the locks that I've given. As far as double-digit scoring for the Hawks roster go, Josh, do you think they will surpass the number of six from last year? And who do you have as potential locks or potential to score double digits for the Hawks roster this year? I think they've got
1: six guys. I think it's it's Trey, it's John Collins, it's Galinari, Bogdanovich, uh, Capella, and Reddish Should be my, my guesses for the double-digit scorers. Yeah, I, I agree with that list as well, as I knew that Herter and Capella definitely
0: will step back, but I think they'll be effective in minutes, depending on the roles that are carved out for this team. And I think you, you, you need at least you know six guys that can score double digits to really help out your team if, if you're going to be a playoff team. You're gonna you're, you're gonna need that, and you're gonna need that from different players. And hopefully, with Rondo coming off the bench, he can help get these younger guys who are on the bench, uh, coming off the bench, really ignited and add some points here and there, and add some leadership in that second unit while Trey Young is being spelled, so he can be fresh and close out games. So it's gonna be it's gonna be very crucial. And we talk about offense, but we already know what they need to improve. That's on the defensive end. And last year, the Hawks' defensive rating was 27th in the league. And I loosely researched just before uh, coming on the show today that the lowest defensive ratings to make the playoffs the last three seasons were the 2017-18 Pacers team, who were 15th, the 2017-2018 Wizards team, who were 15th as well. And the lowest was the 2017-18 Milwaukee Bucks, who were 18th in defensive rating that season and made the playoffs. But seemingly, it looks like if you're 11th in the defensive rating and better, you're kind of guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. That's kind of lofty when you see 27th from last year and 11 that you're striving for this year to try to make the playoffs. It's a lot to ask for, but like like I said, Nate McMillan on the team could be a really big influence, especially he doesn't have to do the you know administrative side as far as head coach. He's just an assistant, help out Lloyd Pearson. He can truly put his tentacles all over the defense. And the Pacers' defense last year was sixth in defensive rating. So it's a lot to ask for, but if they can do it, at least get to that 12, 11 mark as far as defensive rating in the NBA. I'm not going to say a shoe-in for the playoffs, but it really helps their chances. The other poor defensive numbers for the Hawks were opponents' points per game, 30th opponents field goal percentage 26 opponents field goals per game 29th opponents three-point shooting percentage put them at 22nd in the league opponents two-point shooting percentage 25th rebounds 22nd opponents offensive rebounds they were 29th in the league opponents total rebounds 28th fouls committed last in the nba and they were last in free throws made and free throws attempted as far as for opponents. So defensively, is there any hope um, outside of Nate McMillan and hoping maturation and some help from these veterans that they've added, which Gallo is not going to give you anything. And Bogey is fair at best on the defensive end. Is there any hope as far as really getting better on the defensive end for the Hawks this year,
1: Josh? Um, well, it's going to come down to Capella, really, because yeah, he didn't play, obviously, for the Hawks last season. So having him in there is going to give us uh, a good defender. So that's where the improvement's got to come from because you're right, it's not coming from Gallinari, it's not coming from Trey Young. Uh, John Collins is who he is. It's going to be uh, Capella and it's going to be hopefully a Kongwu who can be an NBA caliber defender straight away. That's that's your two hopes. And I think that it's a decent hope to think Capella's going to improve the defense. It's not going to turn things around and make them a good defense, but he's going to make them a better defense. I don't see any way that that won't be the case.
0: Yeah, I really like uh, Okongwu. I think he will make a really good impact as far as him getting in the league, getting experience, learning, and we're not he's not going to come in and be a, a shutdown defender like I think Okoro a, a has the potential to be in Cleveland, but I definitely think playing alongside of Capella and learning from Capella, who I know some people think he's really good at defensively. Some people think he's overrated, but I think regardless – he is going to be a rim protector he's going to really solidify that paint you know where he's going to be and i think he's really going to help kind of get everybody else in the right positions defensively so and i know that i'll talk about it on a a later pod but as far as odds uh he has a little bit of odds to be be defensive player of the year (laughs) i think it's really lofty and i think no one is really taking that away from ad at this point who was snubbed last year in my opinion but the fact that he has some odds, I mean, people in Vegas think that he'll have an impact. So I really want to see that impact translate on the court. And offensively last year, the improvements that the Hawks need to really have are, are the three point shooting, which I think will happen with the additions that we've made. The offensive rating was 26 last year in the NBA field goal percentage was 23rd turnovers per game, 28th opponent steals 29th. So and when you look at percentages in offense, I think that they need more ball movement, which hopefully, hopefully will come. Hopefully, not as much stagnant offense to get cleaner looks and more efficient shots to up those percentages and just have a better offense in general. Uh, do you see that improving this year with this Hawks roster? Uh,
1: I think the shooting will improve, obviously, with, with Galinari and Bogdanovich there. And the problem with the offensive rating was when Trey Young went to the bench; like the, the team was horrible. And yeah, having some guys there that can run the second unit like a gal I have way more faith in Gallinari doing it than I do with Rondo doing it. But yeah, you do have more capable players on the bench now, so I think that that has to go up too. So they should see significant defensive improvements. I didn't mention Chris Dunn before as well, another really good defender, uh, and they should see offensive improvements. So there's no way they don't improve. It's more, my my issue is more like what it means for three years time. I know the last question I have before I let you go. Is
0: out of all the players we talked about, you know, loosely on this podcast for the Hawks, who is the player that you're you know you're keeping your eye on closely this season as far as the Hawks? I know for me I've really talked up Cam Reddish. I think he'll make a considerable improvement this year. I know John Morant's been talking about how good he's looked in the offseason. Everybody looks good in the offseason doing drills and everything, but it, it holds a little bit of weight if John Moran is saying that because we know how hard he works and when he left the bubble, he immediately went to work for the next year, which you know is going to pay dividends for the Memphis Grizzlies, who we see uh, in preseason. But who is the player that you're really looking at closely on this Hawks roster for this upcoming season?
1: Uh, I, I want to see uh, Aniekro Kongu. I had him as a top three player in this class. So I think the Hawks got him for a bargain at number six. So I want to see what he can do. Now, it's going to be hard to get impact minutes with the players ahead of him. But he's a guy that I really want to see uh, and see how he looks in the NBA.
0: I'm really excited for Okongu as well. And I can talk about the other draft picks, especially uh, my boy Skylar Mays from, you know, the Louisiana State University. But I'm going to save that for another day. And Josh, I want to thank you again for coming on to Hoop Ball Hawks today and taking the time to come hang out with me. Josh, tell the listeners how they can connect with you and all your endeavors. And like I said, guys, he's one of the best in the business. So check out all all that he's got going on. So Josh, you take it away.
1: So you can find me on Twitter at redrock_bball. I'm on Instagram at lockedonfantasybasketball and of course I host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast so check me out over there.
0: All right, you heard him. You guys check him out. Um like I said if you need help with fantasy outside of our esteemed colleagues here at Hoopball, Josh got your fantasy needs. Check out his podcast. He has a great guests. All the time and great insight to help your fantasy teams, and as well as just covering the NBA in general. Uh, and guys, if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good rating, subscribe, and share with our fellow hoop fans, Hawks fans, and just basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at Hoop Ball Hawks on Twitter. That is at Hoop Ball Hawks. Follow myself at Brad Jarrett six seven. That is Brad J A R R E and as always you
1: you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel